Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. So I want to talk this morning about a woman. I don't want to talk for too long, as I said before. And I just want to share some thoughts. I'm really not going to preach. I'm just going to share some thoughts with you about a woman. I was helping to make those jars of honey that hopefully most of you got. If you didn't get one and you're a lady, you need to get one on your way home. But, you know, like it was like the bucket that never rang out of pouring. You know, I had to go and buy this honey. So it took me a while. I had to put it on Facebook. Where's the honey? In Bowen, where do you get the honey except for at Woolworths? I wanted fresh Bowen honey. So I found some honey and I went and bought buckets, loads, lots of honey. And then John came home and he said, what on earth are you doing? There were jars everywhere and, you know, I'd been boiling them all and drying them all. And then I went to start pouring out the honey. And as I was pouring out the honey, I just felt like the Holy Spirit reminded me of a story in the Bible that I'd read when I was, well, I don't know when I'd read it, but I'd read. And it's about the woman who had run out of everything. She'd run out of absolutely everything. She had nothing except for a little jar of oil. So I just want to read that to you. We were going to watch a video, but we've seen one cute video of kids, so I don't think we'll watch another video. Oh, look at that. Happy Mother's Day to my wife. Like I am not your mother. But this is, from, this is from last Mother's Day. To my dear wife, I won't read you all the verse because it just goes on. I know you have been a wonderful, caring, loving mum to many. Have a great day. Love from Barney and Dad. <laughs> Isn't that nice? That was in my Bible when I opened it this morning. I thought, oh, there you go. I can share that with everyone. What did I get this year? Is it coming after lunch? Okay. He's got a minute. Start thinking. <laughs> I'm reading from Second Kings chapter four. It says a certain woman of the wives of the sons is that right? Of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take away my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what will I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbours, empty vessels. Don't gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, it's like the holy honeypots when they're all full, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel, so the oil ceased. Then she came and she told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons live on the rest. So, Lord, just speak to us, please. 
through this word and through what I've got to say. Touch every heart, Jesus, I ask. So I read that story and I think of that lady. Like what a terrible situation she was in. As I read that, did you see that? Did you see that she was in a really, really tough spot? Here she was, a good woman, I guess. Her husband was a prophet. I guess she knew about God and maybe she loved God. But her husband died. Like that's a tragedy. Those of us who have been widowed know the heartbreak that that brings and the brokenness that brings to our lives. It's terrible to have your partner die. She'd had a husband die. That was the first thing. But from there, things got worse. You know, after he died, there was no one bringing in the money. Women then didn't have such an opportunity to earn money as we do now, such independence and and such opportunity. She didn't have enough money. She didn't have any way to raise money to pay the bills. And the debtors had come and said, so if you don't pay your bills, we're going to take your boys. Like, can you imagine that, Daniel? Can you imagine that? The debtors are knocking on the door on Yvonne and they said, you're going to take your grandkids. If you don't pay that bill, those kids are going to come and they're going to work at the salt works for me or wherever else. I maybe shouldn't say that. But anyway, they're going to work for me and pay off Aunt Yvonne's debts. That's a terrible situation to be in. And, you know, if I look around here, I know that there's lots of people in here that have been in terrible situations. We've been in difficult situations, you know, where your finances are stretched to the point of breaking, where you don't know what's going on in your relationship with your husband, where you're not sure about what's going on with your kids, where your health, you know, where your health has been bad, not just for a week, but for weeks and for months and the tests keep coming back and they don't know what to do. Like, that is a tough situation, yeah? Gee. Do you want to see if I can get the bottle off the table? Okay, not doing Like, that is a tough situation. Even within our hearts, our own emotions, you know, we go through tough times. Renee sang that song. I keep hearing voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Like, it's tough. Life's tough sometimes. But for this woman, it wasn't just tough. Like, it was unbearable. Like, she had got to the place where, like, if something did not happen, she just couldn't go on. She was at the absolute end of her rope. She was desperate. You know, desperate situations are not comfortable, but desperate situations are good. Like if you're facing a desperate situation today, you're probably going, yeah, yeah, you don't know my situation. Like who are you to tell me that? Well, let me tell you, I can tell you, I'm (laughs) 50-something. And I know that the times when I've been desperate are the times that I look back and I say, thank you for those times because they've been times when something amazing has happened in my life. Desperation, when I looked it up the dictionary, it talked about being hungry. Hungry. Like, do you know that feeling of hungry? I've almost forgotten it. In this world we live in, the fridge is always full, there's always food coming. We've forgotten what it's like to be hungry, but desperation means hungry. It's what happens at our house if it's five past six and the man hasn't been fed. That is desperation and that is hunger. Like, he becomes an animal. 
Like you would not believe it. He gets so hungry. It's six o'clock. It's amazing. But that hunger that's deep within us, that desire that just drives us. You know, those people on Survivor, those people out in the desert, those people in those countries, those little kids with their swollen bellies, that's hunger. That's desperation. You know, and hunger in our lives is a good thing. Desperation in our lives is a good thing when it drives us to God. Like, let me ask you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, are you desperate for more of God today? Is there a hunger in your heart for more of him today? Is there a desire to know him better? Like, it's a good thing if we have that desperation in our hearts for God. You know, in every desperate time, Jesus is the answer. Some of you are probably old enough to know that old Andre Crouch song. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. There is no better way. Like Jesus is the answer. Sometimes we look at people and we just, or we look around us and say, if I just, if I just had a better job. I'd be okay then. If I just had a great husband like Pastor Helen has, I'd be okay then. If I had a better car, if I was thin, if I could sing like Renee. You know, we look around us and we look to things and we look to others to satisfy that need. But, you know, under it all, it's Jesus that satisfies the need. It says in the Bible that every good and perfect gift comes from him. Every good thing that comes into our life. You know, sometimes I think it's because I'm good and it's the reward for my good behavior or my hard work. Well, yes, I worked hard and yes, I might have behaved well. But basically, every good thing that comes into my life is from him. And I give him glory and thanks for that. He said that he shall supply all my needs, not just some of my needs and not just the needs that I can't supply myself. He said that he, he will supply all my needs, my needs for company, my need for encouragement, my need to feel valuable. Every need I have, he will supply. And you know, sometimes he supplies it through you. Sometimes he supplies it through the people at work. He supplies it in all sorts of ways, but our supply is from him. Matthew 6 says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Like if we seek Jesus, the other things will fall into place. Like I said, I'm old. I've discovered it's true. Put him first, and it's like a puzzle. Everything else falls into place. I'm only on page two, and I've got 23 pages. I'm teasing you. Are you. Is he gone like that yet? Not yet? Okay, that's good. All right, I have only got five pages, and I am only on two you know, but have you noticed that when things are going well, you can easily forget about God? I've noticed that in my own life. When everything's good, you know, like when John came into my life, 
Yeah, I was still going to church and I was still reading my Bible and everything, but I got distracted. You know, I got distracted by this handsome... passionate. You know, I got distracted. Now, God had brought him into my life to supply a need in my life. But because everything was going well and I had what I needed, you know, I sort of forgot about God a bit and I just started running after John. You know, I've stopped now. (laughs) You know, I started just looking Looking in that area of my life, it's easy to do. When things go well, it's easy for us to just coast. You know, if you're just drifting along, things are going okay, you're just drifting along. Well, I don't want to drift in the river and the river take me wherever it wants to take me. I want to be swimming and going where I want to go. You know, I throw a stick in the river and the river just takes it straight over the waterfall. But if you throw me in that river, I won't go straight over the waterfall. I'll be swimming the other way. You know, and we need to be people who stay chasing after God, who stay looking to him for what we need, not just drift and just be happy where we are. The other thing I've noticed that people who are growing, they get better at looking to God. You know, have you ever noticed in your own life that way back when you first started, when you first knew Jesus, something had happened, you get your eyes off him and you'd walk away and you'd start to do things your own way and then it get tough again after a week or a month. And you'd run back, back to church, back to Jesus. You know, you'd run away and run back. But what I think makes us stronger and what shows that we're growing is that we're much quicker to come back. That as soon as we realize that there's a bit of pressure on us, as soon as we realize we have a desperate need coming up, we don't go, oh, God, what are you doing to us? And run away. We go, oh, God, I need you. I'm running to you. Yeah? So that's a good, good way to test where you're at in your life. Are you running away, are you drifting, or are you running to God? So after that, I see that the widow said to Elisha, what we were in verse, verse 1, she said, cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. Like she had to explain a little bit who she was to Elisha. Maybe he knew, I don't know. She had to explain, but you know what? You never have to explain who you are to God. You never have to say, Jesus, hey, I'm Helen. Remember me. Look at me. (laughs) I tend to say that a bit. Look at me. (laughs) You know, we don't have to say that. He knows us. Like you are not a stranger to Jesus. He knows you. He knows you so well. In fact, he knows you better than you know yourself. You know, John knows me really well. Like, I'm really picking on him, but this is my one chance. If you come here regularly, you know that he always hangs it on me, okay? So this is my chance to show him how much I love him and get him back. But, you know, he knows me so well. When we go to bed at night, he just turns that fan on three, no matter how cold it is, because he knows me. He went shopping. I asked him to go shopping. I thought Anna was going to come for lunch. And I said, honey, quickly go shopping. I need some, a roll-up so we can make roll-ups for, what do they call them? Do you call them roll-ups? You know when you get a pit of bread and you roll it up? Wrap. Thank you. Thank you, William. I wanted to make wraps for Anna. I said to John, please go to the shop, get a chicken and some wraps. I want to make lunch for Anna. And he went to the shop 
He came home and he went back to the shop. You know why? Because he bought white wraps. Who eats white bread? Oh. <laughs> but see, he knows me so well. He knew that when I got home, I'd say, so why did you buy white bread? Can you go back and get the moldy grain? Or I, I might go back and change that. Or, oh, I guess I'll have to eat that. But, you know, he knows me so well. And the Lord knows us that well. Like, even better than that. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows the heartbreak that you carry at times. He knows the hunger that you have in your heart. He knows. We don't have to worry that, does he understand me? He knows you. So many scriptures talk about it. Matthew 10, he numbers the hairs on my head. We won't make jokes there, will we? Uncle Ken, where are you? Yeah. We're made in his image. He knew me before I was conceived. We're knit together in our mother's womb. He knows when I sit down. He knows when I get up. He's familiar with all my ways. Remember Peter? And they were sitting around the fire. Peter was one of the disciples and Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, I love you. And he said again, Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus answered, um, Peter answered, yes, I love you, Lord. And he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? Like Jesus didn't need to ask to know. He knew that Peter loved him, but he knew what was in his heart. And Jesus said to him, so before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Like he knew, Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. He knows me, he knows you better than we know ourselves. And you know, that shouldn't, ooh, that shouldn't be scary. That should be comforting. And he not only loved, knows us, but his desire is to love, lavish us with his love. You know, it says in Zephaniah, he rejoices over us with singing. Now, you know, I can see there's some faces here that I don't know. And I don't know whether you go to church, another church every week, or I don't know whether you have a relationship with God. But, you know, it doesn't matter. That does not affect his love for you. He loves you. Like not if you do this, if you do that, when you do this. No, 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 no. He loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. Like if I do a good job today, he loves me. If I do a lousy job today, he loves me. He loves me. There's no doubting, no, no negotiating that. He loves you today, Glenda. He loves you. Like if we could just get that, I reckon we'd live a bit different. Okay, let me keep going because I'm still on page two. How, many, how am I going with time? Really? 20 minutes? Oh, my goodness. We're in a lot of trouble. So the next part, I won't even read it. Now I've got a race. Next part says the widow cried out. You know what? Sometimes we forget to cry out. We forget to cry out. We know God loves us. We know that he cares about us. But we forget to cry out. We just keep on trying to make the problem go away. We keep trying to sort it out. We get trying to get everything right ourselves, yeah? And then right at the end we might think, oh, oh, yes. Lord, Lord, help me. 
help me, I need your help. You know, we forget to cry out. In the Bible, there is time after time after time after time when it says people cried out to God. And every single time that somebody cried out to God, it says, and he met them. And he answered them. And he came to them. You know, if we cry out to God, he will meet us every single time. Not most times, not usually, not sometimes. Every time, every time we cry out to him. James says we don't have because we ask. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. I'm going to skip over some of those scriptures. He always responds to our cry. He meets our needs, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Moving on. He said to the widow, what do you have in your house? And she said, first of all, I don't have anything except a little bit of oil. You know, and we look at ourselves and we say, what have we got? I don't have what it takes. I haven't got enough. I got nothing to give. I got nothing to offer. I got nothing that can solve this problem. You know, we don't see what we have in our own lives, but we need to start to look and to see what we have in our own lives. Jesus loves to work with just a little. I remember when my first husband died, and um, we're living in Melbourne, or near Melbourne in Wodonga, and we went down to Melbourne. He was in hospital for a week or so and in a coma, and eventually he passed away. And I came home to Wodonga and then on the Sunday morning I was going out of the door and I was supposed to be sharing something for some reason, but I went out and I just thought, so I got nothing. <laughs> like, I got nothing. I, I am, I'm just nothing, you know, like I had nothing left. I was totally drained, totally dead on the inside. I felt like I had no life. I felt like everything that I had had gone, everything that was important was gone, like I just felt dead and I looked down and as I stepped down my front stairs and I'll never forget this, I looked and there was a rose bush there and it looked like it was dead and my first husband Neil was a gardener, this one's a gardener too, (laughs) it wasn't even meant to be funny but anyway, I walked down that stairs and I looked at that plant that was dying or looked dead, and and I bent down and thought, ah, like Neil would be disgusted. Look, that plant's died. And I bent down and I broke one of the twigs off, but when I broke it off, it didn't just go snap. It bent, and I looked, and inside it was the green, right? The green. It looked dead, but there was life there. And that moment God spoke to me and said, you feel dead, but there is life in you yet, girl. You know, and we think we have nothing, but if we have him, if we have a little bit of oil, oil talks about the Holy Spirit. If we have a little bit of him, we have everything we need. You know, we have life in us if we have him. So things got better from then because I had hope. I had hope. So hang on to your hope, guys. Just look, I'm just looking to see what I can miss out. Okay. Is that all right, pastor? Okay. So it's funny funny when you're um, married to a pastor because he is your husband and he is your honey, but he's also your pastor, you know. So I do need to respect him as a pastor as well as 
my husband. So I'm trying. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Okay. The next part of the story is chapter... uh, Verses 3 to 6, and I'm just going to quickly read that. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Don't gather just a few. And when you've come in, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who bought the vessels, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass that when she, the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to him, there is not a vessel. So the oil ceased. And she came and she told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay all your debt, you and the sons, go and live on the rest of um, the proceeds of the oil. So the highlight of the story was happened when she started pouring out what she had, when she started giving what she had. And for us, I think a lot of the time, that's when we see the miracle, when we start pouring out what we have. You know, we all have something to give. Like Artie's, you have something incredible to give. Your experience, your wisdom, your knowledge of the word, you have something to give. Like, let's not be older people who say, my time's finished, let's leave it to the youth. Now, I love the youth, Dylan. Young people, I love you guys and I think you have so much to give. But older people, you're not finished with. You're not finished with. You have something to give. And if we don't give what we have, it can get a bit stagnant. We need to be sowing. We need to be giving into other people's lives. You know the Dead Sea? Like what lives in the Dead Sea? How much life is in that place? Absolutely none. Like nothing can live in that water. It's Dead Sea. But it is, if they look at it under the scientist's eyes, now Freddie could probably tell me all about this, or David, some of these smart guys. (laughs) But there is so much minerals, so much richness in the composition of that water. So rich because there's rivers from everywhere that flow into that sea. But the trouble is it just flows in and stagnates there. It doesn't flow out again. If there was an outflow from the Dead Sea, then it would have lots of life in it. Same with us. If we're just receiving, and you can be spiritual and talk about receiving from God. If we're just receiving from God, and I'm into that, I'm encouraging you to do that. But if we are just receiving, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. We need to be receiving and we need to pouring out. Like, are you going to store it or are you going to pour it? Like, I'm going to pour it out until I die. I'm going to live my life to bless other people. I'm going to live my life to pass on what God has done in me. Like, I do not want to be stale. I do not want to be a Dead Sea Christian. Sometimes we feel like, I got nothing to pour out anyway. Like, what do I got? I got nothing. Well, I tell you what, you need to come to Thailand. You need to come on the next missions trip with me. That place will change your perspective. 
man, whoever is the poorest person in this place, whosever house has the least, the oldest furniture, whatever, man, you have something to pour out. You have something to give. We need to change our perspective and see that we have so much in this country. Even the poorest of us, we have a lot. And we can bless other people. We can pour out into other people's lives. And, you know, when we do that, something comes back to us. You know, the miracles when Jesus fed all those people twice, the 4,000 and the 5,000, he had to give before it started to increase, you know, like he had the little loaves and fishes. He had just a small bit of food. And I'm sure it didn't go, Lord, Jesus, bless this food, and then there was a big mountain there. It didn't happen like that. I'm sure what happened was he said, Lord, bless these little loaves and fishes, and then the disciples took them and they started to hand them out and hand them out and hand them out and hand them out and hand them out. Like it just was a continuous flow, but they had to be giving them out. If they just left them there, there would have been no increase. And that's the same in our lives. You know, if we just take and receive and we leave it there, there will be no increase. Increase comes when we give and we allow things to flow through us. So keep your jar full. If you want to see revival, keep your jar full. If you want to see growth spiritually, emotionally, relationally, in whatever area, keep your jar full. Keep your jar filled by receiving and giving, and receiving, and giving. Like our missions giving at church, I think um, Pastor John has shared that with us, that um, we have increased many-fold the giving that we do in church from our tithes and offerings to other ministries. And like we have seen, as we have given, as we have sown, we have seen such an increase in the giving And we have no need. We have new chairs. Wow. We have nice new carpet out there. Wow, we had a beautiful event yesterday. You know, we're able to bless people when they come to us with a need. We have Kyam Cottage over there. You know, if we receive and if we give out, then the receiving flows. So let's be people like that, guys. Let's be people who receive and who give. And then we sow into other people. So if the band would like to come, that'd be great. Am I in trouble? Am I in trouble? Oh, it's very quiet. In, um, in Kings, just at the end there, we read that she was to sell the oil to provide for her family and to provide for herself, not just for that day, but for a long time. You know, if, if we will receive and if we will be filled with what God gives us and begin to pour it out, the impact was not just for us, not just that I would feel better, not just that he would meet my desperate need, but that my family would be changed and that my community would be changed. And the other thing that I thought of was I can imagine all those people in the community that had lent jars to this lady, they knew the story, right? And when she'd finished selling the oil and she said, I'm bringing back your jars, here are the jars you lent me. I'm sure they didn't just go, thanks. I reckon they might have taken those jars, put them up on the shelf, and from time and time and time after that, they said, grandkids, look at this jar. 
This is the story. This is what happened. And their kids would have learnt about God's amazing provision as they looked at those jars. Well, I want to say that to us today, that what God does in us when he needs our needs is not just for us, but I believe it will impact our families, it will impact our communities if we allow him to pour into our lives and flow through them. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.